December 23rd, 2023, the 198th version of Science of the Southland, an extremely special one because, Jake, I, this podcast has not existed when Georgia Tech has won a bowl game. And yet here we are. We've done it. We, we done did it. We done did it, man. Yep. The last time we won a bowl game, I had not started writing for this site yet, and I've been writing for this site for... Uh, two degrees have gone by. Uh, we're on our third football coach since that that time. Um, yeah, I I don't know. Jo- Josh Pastner was uh, just finishing an NIT run when I showed up. Mm, so yep. you know, it's been a long it's been a long time. Um, but no, it's uh, it it feels good. I say knowing full well that I had to watch the game today due to family commitments yesterday. But that's the holidays for you, ain't it? We say it's been a long time. None of the three of us in the Zoom were students at Georgia Tech when this last I, I was, I was, I was a freshman. Oh, that's right. I got man, you're. So I was very old. spoiled <laughs> on the same day we beat number one UNC and we won the Gator Bowl, right. capping off a nine-win season. I'm like, this is great. Georgia Tech is lovely. Uh, oh, been yeah. Ever since, you know? there you go, there you go. Uh, we have Maggie Scroggs here, who's if you all have been reading the site, has been writing our uh, things. I think I know pieces, and they've been very delightful. So Maggie, thanks for hanging out with us uh, in, in Akshay's stead. That guy, well sucks he couldn't be here for such a happy day <laughs> yeah of course glad to be here um it's also festivus interpret that as you want in your georgia tech context uh some programming updates uh this morning actually i posted the science extra episode with kurt hoyt who is the volleyball radio broadcaster and a color guy for women's basketball so we went super super in depth on just the history of the team and some of his favorite games because he's been around with the team since 2002 volleyball specifically and women's basketball since 96. So in terms of the treasure troves of tech guys that have been around and seen everything, he is up there with some of those best folks. Um, and so that's a really fun conversation. And we kind of cover the whole volleyball season. Um, and we have one more Scions extra coming up before the holidays or before the season, before the year is over. So this will be our last, this is our last full episode. One of our maybe last episodes before uh, 2024, but then we got Stephen Little from section 103 to come hang out with us. And he has Came and brought his stories about Jordan Tech and how he started Section 103 and everything. So um, that oh, will go up that's, next that's week. weird because we recorded that like a while ago. We did. We did. Yeah, <laughs> I, we, we were saving these up. We, we got to space them out. got to space them out. Let, let the people have this. See, people need things to listen to when they need to just not be. When they've had enough time with your families, this is what we're here for. We, we've got plenty of content. You can just go in if you just need to hide away or go take a long walk. Like We've got the content for you. Did past uh, us have any advice for future us? That's that's what I need to find out. I, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And, the, and if you really need more content uh, and want non-sports content specifically, we did a whole episode about the new comprehensive campus plan that basically sets a path for what Georgia Tech will look like going into 2031 and, and everything like that. How much of that's actually going to happen? Who knows? Because this is just the ideas plan. Who knows what tech actually will say yes to and actually do? I say that you'll hear in construction corner at the end of the episode how much they are doing literally at this second on all of the roads and sidewalks, which is a lot. So, okay. We won a football game. We won the Gasparilla Bowl 30 to 17 over UCF. First bowl went to set said a formation Gator Bowl in 2016. Um, let me run down just how a quickly a quick rundown of how the game actually went down. Uh, we were just blown apart defensively to start the game, down 14-0 in the for- first quarter. Our first drive defensively was a really bad, we allowed a really long uh, return and then two quick plays and UCF had scored. Um, UCF had a 91 chance at winning after their second touchdown. So it was looking pretty bad pretty quickly. Um, Aiden Burr finally got a field goal for us in the second quarter to make it 14-3. Um, Amari Harvey 
was getting burned a lot in this first half in the secondary, and he made a great play to prevent it. So he kind of stripped the ball as the UCF receiver was about to catch it deep in the end zone. Uh, that was on a third down. So thankfully, that turned into just a field goal. So it was 17-3 UCF in the second quarter, and then the Knights never scored again. And it gets a lot better from here. Uh, King had a five-yard touchdown run. Then Malik Rutherford had a 41-yard touchdown catch. UCF missed a field goal to end the half, so it was 17-17 at the half. Uh, Aiden Bird kick a field goal. Another one to begin the second half. Um, I'll note this was on a fourth and one, and the surrender bot says we should have gone for it. Uh, there was a 4% higher chance if we went for it to win than if we took, took the field goal. Um, so, I mean, 4% not nothing, but still 4%. Uh, Haynes King threw an interception. Uh, a really weird one where the ball like kind of rolled under Singleton on top of Singleton's arm and never clearly touched the ground. We challenged it and everything, but it's just one another interception that shouldn't have been an interception that Haynes King has thrown this year. He's had like three or four of these where it's just like, how did they catch it? It's just keeps happening this year. Yeah. Um, Noah Collins, a guy I forgot was on this team, had a sack to clean up the drive uh, to prevent any scoring from the, the, the Knights. Then Dante Smith scored on the fourth and goal from like the two inch line on Tech's next drive. Uh, we're talking now. We're basically in the, we're deep into the second half at this point. Paul Moala had a big time sack on a third on a third down uh, that effectively put away any real shot of the Knights winning. Uh, Burr hit another field goal. John Reese Plumley, UCF's quarterback, went out with an injury in the fourth quarter. Um, it they're back up. Uh, Timmy McLean made one good play, but it, and then he threw a pick, and that kind of sealed the deal. So Maggie since year or I guess today, just give me your thoughts about how you felt during this game. What was, where was your head at when you, when we actually, when we knew this game was going to go our way, was this a new feeling for you? I know you've been a lifelong tech fan longer than me. So, I mean, you've seen some of the, how well this team has done, but like, where, where was your head at last night? Yeah. I mean, y'all are just talking about, you know, how old we were when we last won our bowl game and I was thinking about it. I'm a senior in college now. And I was a freshman in high school the last time we won a bowl game, if that's not crazy to think about. Yeah, but um, yeah, anyways, I think we were all kind of in similar boats beginning of that game. I was watching it and I was like, we're about to get beat like Syracuse did the other night, 45 to zero. Right. I was like, oh gosh, what are we doing? I mean, it looked like we hadn't touched football since CGA game, if I'm being quite honest. I was just like, uh, but I don't know if UCF just... I don't know if they just messed up or if we um, kind of turned things around or if it was both. But, I mean, we really, after the first quarter, we pretty much dominated the game in every aspect. Um, pretty good feeling. Uh, run game, I mean, they they just couldn't stop us. It was it was very satisfying. Every, I feel like every time we ran the ball, it was just like eight-yard gain, eight-yard gain, 10-yard gain. Um, but, yeah, no, feels great to win a bowl game, especially I don't think – very many people had us winning this game at all. I think ESPN had us at like a 30% chance of winning. Yeah. So that was just really nice to see, you know, kind of an upset win, not really, but upset in the sense that we weren't supposed to win. Um, but yeah, no, looked really good. Haynes King, I would say number wise didn't have that. I mean, like the numbers didn't stand out, but I mean, he had some solid runs, some solid passes. It really was a lot of just the running backs kind of, you know, beating it down their throats. So um, very solid performance from everyone overall on the offense. Defense really pulled it together there at the end. I would say it was, I mean, yeah, you talked about that first quarter. We just, it was, it was bad, but um, yeah. So 
great feeling. Love to win a bowl game. Really awesome for the seniors, for Coach Key in his first year. So, yeah, that was awesome. I, I'll, I'll note that you're right about the pass game. Uh, I'll put it more in the analytics section. But, yeah, King only threw 13 passes the entire game. Like this was the, the plan was not to throw if you didn't need to. And we really did not need to in that second a, half. Clearly yeah. he used a hair off on those first two drives. Yeah. Yeah. Of the beauty of my watch, you know, of course I was falling on Statcast and stuff, um, you know, uh, last night, but um, the beauty of being able to watch and rewind and pause and, and also skip through annoying commercial breaks and stuff is that I was like, oh man, he is a step slow. He is a hair off and kind of getting into that. It really made sense to go back knowing the outcome of the game, seeing how they, you know, kind of shifted to the run, even, even up 20 to 17, almost every play was, was run, run, run. Yeah. Um, yeah. After, yeah. you know, it was um, Jack. I don't know if I sent that to you or you and Akshay or the football chat. So you've seen it. So you can you can put your two cents in. But um, I think I called it the four step plan to success uh, that we've seen this year. One, orient yourself. Uh, in this case, it took two scores. Sometimes it happens faster. Two, fight out of the inevitable hole that step <laughs> one has caused. Yes. Three, yes. gain a slight lead. And then four, run the end of game play. And, you know, yes. for you yes. see, it took until like the like four minutes left in the fourth quarter Miami zero 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 you know but uh I feel like it's a it's a it's the fourth step plan to success and it's made for some interesting uh interesting ball this year um I did want to bounce one of my thoughts off of uh Maggie's while they're while they're still fresh um basically it seemed like and and Jack you can chime in here too it seemed yeah. like the the play was very conservative like we noted the eating the clock out and the switching to the run but it, it seems to kind of be emblematic of how yes buster faulkner's has a bag of magic tricks that he just kind of keeps spilling out there but it seems emblematic of the key experiences you know it's fourth and one get the three points put them on the board you know just the kind of um i guess i don't know people call it offensive line coach style but i don't know yeah. enough about various position coaches going to be head coaches to to comment on that but it, it i don't know it seemed like decisions that maybe we wouldn't have made or like the numbers wouldn't have made but it seemed pretty typical uh, of brent in a way that wasn't also surprising i guess right yeah because we have that georgia example when we were really close and kicked that chip shot which gave us a lead against georgia which is like okay well that's not nothing but at the same time you also like have nothing to lose here you've already made your bowl game just go go for the jugular at this point, which I'd argue do the same in a bowl game. What else is next? There's yeah. nothing next. You've already got your your game check. Like the the school, everything's already happening here. Um. So, yeah. I mean, the surrender. I'll go back to what the surrender bot said. It was a uh, if so on that first field goal in the start of the second half. Um. Which if we went for the field goal attempt, which we did, we had a 56 percent chance of winning. Going for it, race it's a 60 percent chance. Granted, we had a 84% chance of making the field goal versus a 70% chance of g getting the first down, which was like three inches too. So like and they were averaging. So, and this was the other point I kind of wanted to get with the the thing Maggie mentioned is they were averaging like seven yards of play, like or per rush. You they, know? Were, they were not stopping yeah. our run game. No. They were not stopping us. <laughs> which is weird because their run game was also quite scary uh, for RJ Harvey. Harvey had some he had some moves that he could pull on us. He He could do some things. Yeah, uh, we do a lot of like 
guy and gal remembering on this podcast. I think it fuels our own like good <laughs> feelings. But like Javon Baker, you know, tangentially tech character, um, you know, it was interesting running into him again. And I think that's kind of my segue into talking about the biggest point I wanted to make is that and I wrote the historical preview for this game, so I will totally own up to this, that it's been on my mind the whole time. Entirely poetic, um, not only for this game um, to have been Georgia Tech UCF, um, but at least on my like uh, own demons list, I walked out of Raymond James, the one and only time I've been there, steaming mad. It was a noon game in September. Um, I cooked like I was in a toaster facing the West Sun, um, and I was like, Paul's got to go. And then uh, for the entirety of the next season and the two and a half seasons after that, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's the dumbest Jake uh, you've ever been, uh, because we all <laughs> saw what happened after that. Uh, and just to win against that team, uh, given, you know, it <laughs> it was Jeff Collins's last team he faced, yeah. uh, in addition to Brent's connections and the George O'Leary bid and all the other stuff that's been made, you know, six ways to Sunday, just like the, the last time Georgia tech played at Raymond James stadium, which I believe this is now the third time we've played there. The first time being uh, the ACC title game against Clemson, um, a great game uh, or so I'm told 2009. Um, the last time we played there was probably the most emblematic of the, um, the Paul Johnson era, maybe getting stale um, or at least one of the biggest times I ever had that opinion personally and to go down there win a game against UCF at Raymond James it just feels like all right the book is closed like what comes next I and I'm very much in the we've won good vibes going into the offseason what comes next yeah I think that's a yeah I think that's all fair but I remember watching that US, USF game and that was blah, blah. yeah it was just so unfun to watch in so many ways it, it probably was a major deterrent for why I never fully invested myself in those late Paul years. I'm like, what are we doing here? Like, this isn't what we need to be or how to play football. And yet here we are rushing for 284 yards in a game at seven yards carried. So what do I know? If you'll let me indulge myself one last time, I was so fed up by that game and that, and this is proof advertising works because I did not know there was a Portillo's in Tampa, which is a Chicago local chain that has random outposts at other places. Sometimes I got in an Uber, went all the way out to USF's campus, and went to the Portillo's and ate a Chicago-style hot dog and an Italian beef and a chocolate cake shake, and I ate my feelings. So, you know, <laughs> now the world gets to know that, too. But, um, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, I I just hope the, the, the lads had a good time. It seemed like pregame, that all went very well. Um, and, and I think it was, again, just very, you know, emblematic of kind of the quintessential ideal of a of a bowl trip if you're not in a big game, right? right. You go somewhere, yeah. you have fun. Detroit was bleak. I went there. It was that was <laughs> I remember seeing the pictures. I had friends in the band and everything. And it looked like a pretty cloudy, unfun day to just be in a place for a game that no one really wanted to be at in the first place. <laughs> so uh we, yeah. It it was it was like 34 degrees. So it was snowing, but it was melting as soon as it hit the ground. It was uh, cold. At least so, the game was indoors, but that's still just there. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't even let the wreck go. I'm like, it's the most one of the most famous Fords that's ever that's, been. Ford yeah. That, well, wow. Anyway, okay. We don't have to talk about it ever again. So I we don't. Just... We don't. <laughs> uh, let me note some just analytic stuff before we get for because I want to hit more on that. Uh, the use, the, the the poetic justice of UCF being this particular game. Um, so we talked all about that field goal. Um, 
Yeah, we ran for 284 yards, 128 of those were Jamal Haynes. He had his career high. He was the MVP of the game. He had 7.11 yards per rush, which was not the most on this team because with only, granted, six fewer carries, but Haynes King ran for 7.4 yards a carry uh, with his 12 carries, 89 yards. Uh, he had a rushing touchdown as well. Um, I mean, yeah, this was a full a full full run game of all the of all of our of our 33 successful offensive plays uh so plays that are positive epa or just greater than zero 29 of those 33 were on the ground versus in the air uh so that was just at all most of our chunk plays were that way as i said before king only threw for 13 passes one one touchdown and half of those half those yards were on one throw too uh that big rutherford catch uh and then that one random interception that really shouldn't have been one uh and we were generally successful in early downs, which is a good thing. Cause I think that speaks to, we know our offense is in the right state when we're getting at least that first chunk of yards on first or second down. And we're not putting ourselves in a hole initially. That was a big problem. I think those first couple drives we had Jake, where it's just yep. stuff was not working. And yep. then we turn into the Paul Johnson death March. As soon as we get those first couple of yards, uh, big love, uh, love, love when we play football like that. Love it when we play football like that. Um, six explosive running plays. And that's I think that's the trend we saw this whole back half of the season was once the run play once the run game gets in the groove it you get those chunk plays over and over and over again that's how we were able to thrash Georgia way more than they thought we could that's how we got rid of Syracuse eventually it's just how we go down and the defense was actually better than we maybe thought fifty two percent stop rate that's like not bad for us <laughs> considering uh, that was a problem to start the game. Uh, we didn't have as many tackles for loss or havoc plays because they were throwing the ball a lot more and getting the ball out quickly with with uh, with uh, what's his face Plumley. Um, but we were able to at least prevent some like R.J. Harvey could have done more against us probably on the ground and they didn't run him as much in the second half. That's what I'm Maggie. Did you notice that? Because I was like, it seems like that should have been a yeah. thing that they should have been doing, and then they just kind of didn't run R.J. Harvey in the second half. I know. I was honestly shocked, but not complaining. Um, cause he, I mean, I saw, I don't remember if it was in our, in the football chatter and someone on Twitter, but someone said that we were tackling RJ Harvey. Like we were allergic to him and didn't want to touch him. <laughs> and <laughs> I was like, that's pretty accurate. So not complaining, but I was surprised that they didn't use him as much in the second half. Well, and, and on the, on the defensive point, they made the, the, the point on the broadcast in real time. Um, but it is something that translated. It really did not look like we were adjusted to to tempo, right? Oh at, yeah, no, that's a good point. At the yeah. beginning of the game, at, people were step slow, still getting set. Like it, I, again, I'm not a supreme technique uh, aficionado expert, but like I test, it, they they looked a step slow, and and I mean, uh, Amari Amari Harvey's the, the perfect example of that to to go with the different. Yeah. And who we were just talking about gets torched a couple times in the first quarter, comes up with a huge pass breakup in the end zone to prevent UCF from going up um, to, to 21-3, um, forced him to settle for a field goal and then sealed the game with an interception. I mean, that's, I'd say, pretty emblematic of adjustments on defense or just plainly like being ready for the speed of the game. And yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily a, a bowl game thing or what it, it I mean, I, I joked about it in my four step plan to success, but like, it's not the first time we've seen something like that. And and really it's just a matter of how tech um, overcomes that. And yeah, you know, I can tie into my related thoughts about the basketball doing the same thing, but that's for later in the podcast. So I grew up watching the Gus bus. Cause I was a big old Auburn fan when, when miles on was there and I remember watching many, many games when there was Nick Marshall, like quarterback, whoever we back there. 
Lee being Auburn in this context. Uh, if they when they were doing that hurry up quick zone read stuff, that was unbeatable. Like the SEC West, a notably very good defensive division of subset of college football in the 2010s, had a big problem when Auburn ran ran that way and ran that kind of football. And RJ Harvey's a great guy to put in that kind of offense. Who's fast, he's twitchy, he can get around guys and all that kind of stuff, get the edge. Um, and he's still got the kind of like bell cow back kind of yeah like, yes yeah. him. and what he and, and there'd be so many times where yeah I, I don't know like I it, which is hilarious to think that ten years later Gus Malzahn still has the same thing it's the same problem of like wait you don't do this more frequently like people don't stop it when you do it in the first place just do it until it stops working and I, yeah I, I don't know I don't know what the dealio is there so um yeah so I think yeah good stuff on the defense. Good stuff offensively, of course. Um, UCF ended up having negative EPA per play. We had 0.14 EPA per play. Um, UCF had a little bit more yards per play, but not a big deal at this point. Um, and then beyond that, pretty normal stuff all around. Nothing too crazy. Um, our offensive EPA ended up being close to 9.5, and, and UCF's was negative 1.6. So we like it when other teams are sabotaging themselves, and we are not. Uh, they also had a negative 4.4 special teams EPA, which, eh, not good. Not good. Special teams should never be negative. Never, ever. We should know that. We're experts in knowing that. Uh, anyways, uh, let's get to the narrative part of this, because I guess it's a big deal. That's what I, I posted on Twitter and every, about this. The, the fact we were getting UCF gave us a rare opportunity to really close the book on, the ch- on this weird in-between chapter of tech football where we're out of the hellhole of the Collins era and trying to solve what you this is real this is real and then trying to solve figure Jack, it out. I appreciate the kender that's all that's all <laughs> I we've many of us are it's been too long we just got to say it as it is at this point uh yeah. many are that, saying many are saying I mean we were both we both probably remember that game we should have won that first UCF game eight different ways and found nine different ways to lose the game. And so we didn't win. Uh, I remember someone put up Jeff Sims, stat line, and it was like, he read through for 300 yards and one touchdown and no picks. And we lost. And that's Jeff Sims doing that. That's yes. a really good yeah. this is the same yeah. Jeff Sims that <laughs> lost to Colorado, which is not a good loss anymore. <laughs> I mean, he lost to a lot of teams, poor guy, but you know, um, Hey, he got his degree and that's the most important thing you can that do. That is true. That is true. He did get his degree this past weekend, so good for him. Um, yeah, I, yes. Uh, but it feels does it feel like now that we've because we got this particular win in this context that we're on the other side of this whole saga of crawling out of the depths and we've we're at a reestablished point. Maybe not, hopefully not all the way because we want all the way to be a national title, of course. But at least out of whatever pit we were in, we think we're out of at least that. So. I got one quick, quick hitter. Speaking of national title, uh, did you hear uh, Haynes's interview? Or I, I should specify Jamal Haynes's interview with WSB after the game last no, night. I did not. Enlighten me. Um, hold on. I I texted it word for word to Josie because I was like, "This is funny. I need to tell somebody about this." Um, so I'm going to pull it up. Um, quote: "This is just the beginning for Georgia Tech. We've got a long way to go, and we're coming to a town near you." Dot dot dot. The sky's the limit. We want the playoffs, a national championship. We're on our way. I'll let him do the talking. I like it. What do you think, Maggie? I did hear that. I did hear that. Yeah. 
Um, I thought coming to a town near you was kind of funny, made me chuckle, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if the, if the team believes it, then that's a good start, you know, got to start somewhere, but we'll see. We'll see. It may be, it may be a few years away if it gets to that point, but oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. like the, yeah, I like the positivity. Um, I think, yeah. And I think, I think the team, I think they believe, I think they all like key, which I think is a very big deal. Like I personally, um, you know, I've worked in recruiting and so I kind of know some of the players and they all like him. Um, they believe in him and support him and, you know, they play hard for him. So I think that really is a, is a good foundation. It shows up on the field. That's for sure. I mean, there's a lot of these close yes. games that in the past were never going our way. Like you play even this year. Like we were kind of in it in those Louisville and Ole Miss games until we just weren't. Kind of. We were. I mean, we were. We were. Oh, sorry, I forgot the Louisville game we were winning. I didn't watch the Louisville game. Sorry. Um. The but even Ole Miss, like you were in once, a field somewhere for that. I right? was in the middle of Ohio listening to old people music, now. and I was having a great time. <laughs> uh, but and, and I do want to clarify. I'm not necessarily saying that you know Jamal Haynes's opinion is my own on the national championship. No, program. but there's, there's a lot of very large differentials. Um that Georgia Tech has versus its peers uh, in the conference and out of it um, that are systematic and very hard to overcome. Uh, money is a big problem there mm -hmm. in a lot of different forms. Um, if you want to go up the road to, say, Athens, um, you know, think about the size of the TV check they get. Think about the donor base. Think about the NIL. Those are all really serious things that prevent somebody from winning a national championship. But um, a step forward um, also you know, just good energy. Um, those are things that, you know, you, you got to believe you can win before you can. Win. I know that's yeah. like the cheesiest sports junk you can say, but like. No, but that was the reality we were it, facing. It's true. We were not, I, I mean, our fan base and I'm sure it's some, to some extent that spread into the team and people around the team that it was hard to believe in 2021 and that front part of 2022 that we had a shot at yeah. winning a given game. Like, I think we all walked in that first Ole Miss game and knowing we had no shot. And then that like was, it, that was bleak. And it turned into the worst version of that. I mean, it was like, it was, a, it was three of those kinds of games in a row at Notre Dame versus Georgia, skip the front, the front cupcake game in 2022. And then Ole Miss, it was like that exact same story three times. Like you can't do any worse than that. They scored There's zero points against those teams. Game in there too, which was oh, awesome. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Like it's nowadays, at least you we're putting up the game plans that make Georgia think we put up the game plans that Alabama steals to beat Georgia. Um, yeah. it's, it's it very, all the little things are coming together when we can make the little things come together. Like we are now that allows us to win crazy games. Like at Miami, North Carolina twice in two years and that pit game last year as well. Like it, it's uh, stuff starts adding up. It starts adding up. Your recruiting gets better and it's the work shows. So, um, Let's go to some miscellaneous stuff. Uh, cigars on the sideline before the final whistle was blown. That was fun to see. They were all in on that. I can confirm that I was smelling something after the secure Syracuse game in the press the press box. I mean, in the in the uh, media room uh, coming from the locker room when they made were bowl eligible. So these guys, these guys have their means of celebration. I'll say. Uh, Brent Key, if y'all missed it on the broadcast, he uh, he got the date the Gatorade dumped on him, but he was quick to yeah. note that uh. No, we're a Coca-Cola school. That was Powerade that was dumped on him. Very, very, very fun note by him. Uh, he's got a he's got a good sharp wit. I appreciate that. He really yeah, does. He does. really does. He's got he's he understands 
the 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 marketing part of it, but he makes his own flavor and he does it well. So I'm glad I'm glad he does that. Um, yeah. Even Blooper noted that saying we're back on Twitter, the best mascot around that isn't named Buzz, uh, as well as it seemed like a lot of the college football world, like that win. I think that's the that that's why I was saying like it feels like we're out of that pit is because a lot of a lot more of the college football world noticed this win than other ones we have. And it felt like, OK, it felt like we had actually proved something. Do you know why this particular bowl, even though it is, you know, early season bowl, maybe not one that people see as like super prestigious or whatever, you know, what the value of that is. And you know why that perception is there. I'll let right? you explain in case we, I don't. And I kind of don't. I kind of do, but I kind of don't. I want Maggie. Do you want to guess? Honestly, I'm not sure either. It's a, it was a standalone game on a Friday night. Oh, it's a good point. Only yeah. football on television, which yeah. it's a, there's a lot of things that people can be doing on a Friday night. Other sports, going to a show downtown, like me. Um, but there were a heck of a lot of people who were just like, ooh, UCF, they're pretty good. Oh, Georgia Tech, that's a name. I'm going to tune in. And they saw a team that faced adversity that's been this poster child for being worse than mediocre um, for the last you know, for three and a half years, basically, or before that, this weird, oh, the triple option, blah, 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 blah. They saw a team that has all these narratives, if you will, mm-hmm. defy the, I guess, quote unquote narrative in an interesting matchup on a Friday night in a pretty compelling game of football. I think that was a good um, front porch for saying, hey, yep. we're here. This is what's going on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. also kind of cool that, you know, we started the season on a Friday night. End of the season. On yeah, the it's a good point. It's a good point. I'm, I like I'm that. Wedge yeah. in some trivia because I know I have these numbers here, and I know that the answer is 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 it's very small. I'm pretty sure we've only played on Friday nights a single digit number of times, but I want to check on that real quick. Okay, interesting, interesting. Okay, um, I know that when I, I, when I pulled that, it up yeah. at the beginning of the year, I was like, "Oh, this is very rare." Something, something, something. So give me one sec. I'll I'll load it up okay. in the back. Yeah, uh, we scored 404 total points this year. Just per just per- perfect serendipity in that in that world. It really is. Um, <laughs> just once we like once tech Twitter collectively realized it, we all kind of lost our minds for a second there last night. That was that was pretty fun. Jake, you got the you got the results still? Or uh, still it's still loading, but it, it still gives, loading. It's it gives me the energy of um, if you've seen the the John Boyce two hundred twenty two to nothing special he did. He notes that Cumberland actually blocked a kick in that game. Um, and this was kind of John Heisman's vengeance for, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, day of the week's being a little funky, too. So it, it might take me another minute to get that together. Um, sure. But uh, Cumberland blocked a, a point, uh, blocked a kick in that game by doing the now outlawed climb the ladder play. I.e., ah. They just stacked guys up until the ball just hit him in the face. Um, and, and again, the Cumberland game was vengeance for having lost uh, in baseball 22 to nothing to them. So... Um, interesting enough, I would say, um, in terms of football games on Fridays, we have played, uh, one in 1892, uh, a pair in 1900 and 1901, okay. uh, 1937, 43, 44, 55, 67, 94, 99, 2000, 2005, 2018, 2020, 2023. So most of those in recent years are bowl games. So this would make yeah. it 19. Ever, which 19, is more okay. than I thought. 
So, yeah. but it's good that it's happened twice in in one year. Notably, there was like that thirty year gap there between the sixties and nineties where they just didn't at all. So, took it that that that's a long stretch. Well, I guess it's like basically the front half of the team before the wars, and then after the wars, and then the nineties on when yeah. TV became a thing and was doing more work on scheduling. And the weird thing is, the previous three all came against Louisville, which is also weird. Huh. But anyways. okay. Jake's aside is now over. We're back on track. Very interesting. All right. My last miscellaneous point is that we had a new helmet design for this game. Uh, they went with the all whites and they you, you just you, you'll just look up the just search New Georgia Tech helmet on Google. You'll have to see it. But as I describe it, it was the normal white helmet, except they got rid of the blue stripe down the middle. So it was just but they left the gold where it was. So it was a gold, white, gold on the top stripe. And then the GT was a hollowed out version. It was just the gold outline, but hollowed out in the middle. So it looked like a white gt with the gold outline uh what so i believe is a new helmet for us that we haven't done before so and it looked kind of good didn't look too distracting it was a simple change that still fit within everything i personally wish we went with the gold white gold combo i don't i wish we played that we use that gold helmet more often but gold helmets didn't seem to really go well for us in terms of on-field results this year between louisville and the uh and the uh bowling green game so at, if it's good luck it's good luck fine by me um do y'all have any final notes for the 2023 football season? Well, I mean, definitely improvement. Yep. Um, definitely a weird year in the sense of the Bowling Green and Boston College and blowing that huge lead against Louisville. But overall, I mean, I think we can't complain from where we have been the past few seasons. Just the fact that we have seven wins, it's like, that's that's yeah. great start to the key era. So yeah, good year think the team believes fun fun season so yeah excited for the future to see what we can do so with hindsight and, and i'm gonna frame my like kind of closing i'm sure we'll do a deeper like there'll be we'll talk more with other folks yeah this, uh, but, this isn't the uh, end of the science coverage of the season yet um uh, gotta get through to next year but anyways i, I want to pose a question to both of you because i'm interested in your answers seven and six one a bowl if you would have told yourself that at the uh beginning of the year you probably would have been happy with that, right? I, I think we would all say that. Um, are you satisfied with the way that it played out, though? Now that the full season's behind us, I kept saying week in, week out, oh, yeah, we're three and three. It's weird, three and three, but blah, blah, blah. You know, at least we're three and three kind of thing. Are you satisfied with, hey, yeah, you know what? They lost to Bowling Green, but they would be Miami, you know, like that, that kind of the way it played out. Do you have any, like, I guess, color to the expectations? I want that Bowling Green game back. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, expectations, I feel like were, I feel like they were exceeded. I think um, some of us were hopeful and thinking we can make a bowl game, but I think the general media, everyone was like, three-win season, another one, whatever, move on. Yeah. So, can't complain too much. I think hopefully in the future we need to win those games that we should win like that, but... Yeah. Yeah. Getting getting to that fourth win in itself was like a success spark just because we at least it felt weird that we were picked to win only three, three and a half again, which didn't seem right, knowing how we know how knowing how we played at least effort wise at the end of last season. Um so that felt low, low, low to begin. I know I was one of the multiple ones of us that predicted six, six and six this year, and it was a, it was a pretty easy roadmap to see how 
you would like you, you saw where the ones you really should win were you saw the ones where you really should have lost were and then you just were like well it's the acc so something crazy is going to happen in those other games which well, i just yeah. didn't ex- apply that logic to the games that i thought we had no chance in which i should have done <laughs> i uh i i noted i was thinking about this this morning too you mentioned the acc like something weird's going to happen we play in a really competitive conference. I, I think it's something that we like do. I think that's something that gets used as like a, a ding against the ACC, uh, in a way that I think is a little unfair. Uh, I think it it's super it interesting is. that we've had six different uh, you know, seven if you count Notre Dame in 2020, but six different teams in the conference title game in the last three years. You know, people can rise, people can fall. There's 12 bowl eligible ACC teams this year. Yeah, Syracuse uh, did did get pounded in that former Big East. Uh, rivalry, I guess you could call it. Maybe I, I don't know there, but you know, there's there's a lot of games left for the ACC to say, hey, this is this is good football. I think we saw some really compelling um, teams games uh, happen this year, um, whether that's us or or otherwise. Um, so no, I I think we definitely walk away with the season with a lot of like, yeah, you know, I just said earlier, we do a lot of like dude remembering on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna be talking about that Miami game maybe forever yeah oh yeah yeah probably well, forever. like hope so you know in, for the eight thousandth episode of of scions of the southland <laughs> oh, God. yeah anyway no, like, uh, that, that game sticks out i mean you play to the a, final whistle they just... it's a seven win season but it feels like arguably much more memorable than our last seven win season if that yeah. makes sense oh yeah no yeah i mean oh, that was 100%. yeah that was the final paul year when it's 2018 it just things were feeling weird in the first place. It just it just felt like it, yeah, you said earlier it's like a, a lot. The, the sameness was getting stale back then. And we did have that one spooky Miami game, but I feel like all Miami games are kind of weird. There's something yeah, there's some weird energy to all these games. It's not it's never it's never as simple enough as just a basic football game. Um, Fair enough. So yeah, uh, seven and six above five hundred. That's as as all legacy, very good NCAA historic program should be. So here we are. Um, the next game of any kind for this team is the spring game. Whenever they announce when that's going to be, hopefully it's. Uh, I like. I. I. I, don't, I know Jake. We both went to the Saturday afternoon version this past year. Maggie, I don't know if you went to that or not, but feels like you were there. Okay, great. It feels like, like those. The Saturday afternoon felt nice. I liked. I liked that for that mid April time. So I hope they do it again that way. Um, maybe they break out another new uniform. Who the heck knows? And then week zero in Ireland, but that is a long ways away. Um. I did drink a Guinness in solidarity with the fact that's our next game after we won. So we got a lot of life to live before then. We yeah. got a lot of life to live before. A lot, then. yeah, a lot of stuff to do. So, all right, let's shift to women's basketball. Uh, they only had one game this past week. Uh, they beat South Carolina Upstate, eighty-one to fifty. Uh, they, I kind of played out. Granted, very different team than Georgia. Georgia was our game before that that we won in Athens, but it did play similarly in that the first three quarters were pretty dominant by Tech, and they kind of had the game wrapped up by the fourth. Uh, USC Upstate did end up outscoring Tech in the fourth quarter, but we had effectively put the whole bench in, and there's just a little. It's just a different kind of game there. So uh, Tony did well, Kara did well. Every, it was a pretty evenly dispersed game. That much I want to read. I don't read too too much into it because it was a game you got to win. But they are nine and three out of uh, out of a non conference play um, from the press conference with um, Del Fortner. She was. They said I asked her about that point of like, Hey, you're nine and three. How's the seal right now? She's like, uh, she was satisfied with the progress. They think they're in a good spot, um, which is good to feel. Cause similar to the men's team, they got a lot of, a lot of youth going on, a lot of newness going on. Um, 
won won some tough games at least. So they're they got the ACC and women's basketball is no small feat to put it lightly. So yeah, they're about to play nineteen at least nineteen straight conference games. I count the the tournament as being at least one guaranteed. And I think um, to this to this end to this point, we've really I'm, you know UGA power power five team, but the the three L's Creighton, Florida, and Nebraska. You know those those teams are generally pretty good. Um, to pretty good to ranked. Uh, Creighton is sitting at uh, 19 in the uh, in the latest edition of the net. Uh, Florida's at 49. Uh, Nebraska is at 21. Uh, you might want to have the Florida one back, but Tech sitting right in the low um, low 50s. Kind of, I, I would argue, says you know probably a pretty similarly matched up program. I think that indicates right now they've got some work to do. Uh, and to your point on the ACC, that work is going to be hard uh, because yep. there are a lot of very spooky uh, teams in the uh, in the ACC. And and I think that's, you know, it's a good thing. That means you're going to get a lot of opportunity. But it also means, like we saw last year, there's really a strong uh, potential to just pile up a lot of L's. Uh, if you look at the, yep. <laughs> the rest of the conference, looking up uh, Georgia Tech sees in front of them, not just Notre Dame and NC State, which are top 10 teams, uh, Virginia Tech, Louisville, Duke, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, and Syracuse. That says, even though Tech is, you know, that borderline top 50 team, you know, they're fighting for 10th place in the conference right now, yeah. Um, which, yeah, that that's an uphill battle. Those are all going to be real tough games. Maggie, have you had a shot to see Russ Augusta, Augusta Nite play yet? Nope, I have not. When I say she is the most exciting player we have on this campus that's not named by Ndongo, it's her. She is an absolute bolt of electricity right now. Just in terms of enjoyment of watching her play the sport, it's it's so good right now. We have to finally get her at a press conference at, after this USC game. Um, and she was love. She's loving tech so far. She did not have any first semester. Oh no, I hate this place because of school and stuff like that. Like it is, she is having the time of her life playing for us, and it's kind of it is infecting the team so i think we're good have at least a different leg up than we maybe had in terms of team chemistry and just joy to be playing basketball uh good. yeah pass so uh definitely get 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 your student people out there because they need to show up to some of this oh, stuff i will i will um so yeah uh as we mentioned their next game is not until the 29th so they got a nice long break here uh they're going to go to florida state as a 2 p.m game right as right 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 at the front end of the new year's break so uh um and I do want to clarify one little piece. Uh, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina, and Syracuse are all like spitting distance from Georgia Tech, if you will, in terms of how they've kind of shaken up so far. So it should be a really interesting uh, test to uh, start the season on the road uh, at Florida State. And then they'll get uh, a little bit of a, of a reprieve with Virginia and Pitt after that. So um, backloaded ACC slate, but Florida State and Georgia Tech should match up pretty well. We should We should learn some stuff. Um, yes yeah these first two these first couple ACC games are going to be extremely revealing to where they really really are so uh before we get to men's basketball tennis and a lot of construction uh let's hear from section 103 for a sec yes uh section 103 is the uh official sponsor of not just this podcast but quite a lot of what we do at from the rumble seat go check out uh articles uh that uh that we bring to you, not just for the site, but also for the Section 103 discount code as well. That's FTRS for 10% off. Use that. Um, tell me, sent you. Uh, that does uh, 
help the site and help us as well. Section 103, Scott, great content. Uh, you can celebrate Haynes King uh, being responsible for the most touchdowns in Georgia Tech history by buying his jersey. Uh, also available as the guy he just passed, uh, one Mr. Joe Hamilton, uh, in terms of unique, uh, personalized, I, I don't, to my knowledge, you can't get anything like that anywhere else. Uh, so definitely check out Section 103 uh, for all those faux, uh, faux jersey looks, as well as some great uh, retro. That's uh, more my speed, as well as the tech word mark. Uh, that is the place to find it. Uh, Steven's a great guy. And also um, check out uh, our interview with him coming out in the next couple of days here that we mentioned earlier. Uh, it was a great, uh, great privilege to be able to get him on our airwaves. And uh, that'll be to you shortly as well. Remember Section 103.com at section 103 on Twitter and code FTRS blog for 10 or code FTRS habit um, for, for 10% off there as well. Men's basketball. They are not in the state of Georgia. They are not in the continental 48 United States. They are in Hawaii uh, for the, what is it? Diamond head classic. Is that what it's called? Something like that. Uh, they played UMass a couple nights ago, uh, 173 to 70 to ensure that we beat at least one team named UMass this season. Uh, then they beat Hawaii a couple hours after the football team was done in Tampa, uh, winning 73 to 68 over Hawaii in their building. Uh, so we ended up having a true road game out here in Hawaii. Uh, and so we have those two wins give us a, I guess, diamond head final matchup against Nevada on Christmas Eve night. So the day after this comes out, uh, let's go to the UMass game. Sturman had a career high, 21 points off the bench, which is really nice to see because I think we've had some, there's been a little bit of struggle there with Kyle recently. Uh, had a lead at the half. Uh, then Matt UMass outscored us 30-11 to start the second half, which this is a trend that happens in the Hawaii game too. And it has in other games. The front half of the second half is not our friend, uh, it seems, this year. Uh, and then it came down to some sort of in free throws to get the lead when we needed to. Uh, so either of you, if you have any thoughts about this UMass game, shoot. I know that there's not... Uh you know, quarter divisions in college basketball. But Jack, that is what I like to call, well, actually invented this term first, but the third quarter nap, uh, where, yep, yep, yep. you know, they, and, you know, football sometimes does this too. It really applies to all sports, but Georgia Tech men's basketball for as long as I've been following this team just loves that third quarter nap. Um, we'll talk about the Hawaii game. I don't want to get out too far in front of our skis there. There's also a third quarter nap there. Um, but uh, I think this game turned on, uh, uh, turned on its runs, if that makes sense. Um, you know, Georgia Tech would pile up, get some get some momentum. Uh, UMass would, would pile up some more points as well. Um, in the end, I think the most critical play, and I'm I'm sure you guys heard that this has happened, but uh, uh, Bindango gets called for a goaltend. Um, in the moment, did not look like a goaltend. About four minutes of game time later, the refs went back and reviewed. Uh, because that's something that you could do. And they took away the goaltending, which also means that UMass uh, had the elusive negative points play. Um, so yes. the game... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the lead was cut from 66-62 to 64-62, um, essentially turning a... When Tech had been on kind of a run before going on a... On, UMass went on a scoring uh, scoreless streak, but uh, essentially turned it from a 7-0 run to a 9-0 run, but... Not the old-fashioned way, I guess. Um, dare I say, um, UMass had a reasonable chance at getting a live ball if they would have gotten it off the rebound uh, and gotten the the points anyways. But, I mean, that, that's why they can review stuff. So, yep. uh, refs called it by the letter of the law. They they made the right call. Um, I don't know. It, that, that's It's weird. 
I've never had to talk about refs just taking two points off the board uh, in a critical game, which is very close towards the end. But yeah, we are um, Georgia Tech. And this is a couple times we've seen this, but um, just back and forth, quick points um, from, you know, from the other team, uh, including kind of inopportune fouls, which is also something we saw uh, against Hawaii. But um, it certainly was not an easy game. Uh, and it was uh, it was kind kind of uh, kind of a rude awakening start uh, to the to the bowl season, I guess, was was the uh, I don't know. I'm yeah. trailing off. I don't have a good conclusion here. It was no, weird. Fine. It was weird. It made me uncomfortable. And thank God we won because, <laughs> yeah, it was much yeah. better to be criticized or not criticizing, but critiquing, commenting after a win. But that's the same thing I said about the Penn State game, uh, which also featured a ton of points off turnovers, which was something we saw here. Too many fouls, too many turnovers. Not good. But yeah, rebounded good. Um, you know, scoring when it matters, also very good. So you got to take the, the good with the bad, especially for not necessarily a completely young team, but certainly one with a lot of young key contributors uh, um- involved. Of note, Ebenezer Dewuna started this game. He's been starting recently with the new the Don Go George Reeves group, and he was at minus thirteen. He only played six minutes in this game, uh, which resulted in Gapari actually starting the game against Hawaii, uh, and he was pretty productive in that game as well. Uh, of note, we we shot eighteen of twenty one from the free throw line. Uh, Messages only shot eight of nineteen from the free throw line in this game, so uh, uh, sh- should have lost maybe. <laughs> you can't you can't miss over half your free throws in a basketball game and expect to win. And sure enough, that's what happened to UMass. So not a good look from them there. Uh, beyond that, Bainadongo made all the shots. Uh, not a great Kelly game. He only had seven points on two of 11, two of 11 shooting. Kyle was 6-10. Uh, Reeves was only 3-10. So he got uh, three of his shots were from free throws. Um, but Cernovic was at plus 14 on the floor. Tyjon Claude played 23 minutes. He was at plus 16 on the floor with nine rebounds to lead the team. So he was definitely a big big guy there. The the The... Free throws definitely were a, a big difference, both uh, in Georgia Tech being uncharacteristically for this season good at them, as well as UMass being bad. To right. the point where Frank Martin, um, who was probably frustrated about the whole, you know, goaltending, no goaltending thing, m- made some interesting comments uh, post game, just kind of like, hey, we need to do that. And it's like, yeah, you know, they give you yeah. the free shots, you got to sink them. Um, yeah. We see lots of games turn on that to the point where I feel like it's, you know, cliche to say, make your free throws and that changes the game. But quite literally, like, you know, they, they shot abysmally from the line. Uh, yeah. And that really helped us out, especially with us being um, or, or tech being really locked in late, uh, late in particular, when they really needed them stopping the clock and getting the, the chance to get two points without it losing any time. That's, you know, a big reason why tech stayed in the game and, you know, going, going six out of seven to close the game from the field is, is also not, uh, not bad either. Maggie, did you stay up for the Hawaii game after the bowl game was over? Nope, I did not. I, <laughs> I like um, watched a little, a few minutes of it, kind of kept up with the score. But yeah, I think it was like right before halftime, like forty-one twenty-seven. Went yep. to bed. It's like, oh yeah, we got this. And I woke up and saw it was kind of a closer game than that. Yeah, I saw the twenty-two to two run in the second half. That's ugh. yes, uh, yes. Right. As we all, as we all took our actual evening naps, uh, Tech also went on a third quarter nap. Yeah, extreme yeah. degrees here they too. went to bed with everyone else yeah. yes they did they see yeah their, their clocks yeah. were synced with us this yeah. is the beauty of being of being at uh from the rumble seats chicago office is i had time on my side here um kind of similar energy uh tech was also kind of 
Now, you, UMass dialed up pressure and pressure early uh, in, in the front court. Um, Hawaii also kind of forced Tech to stay on the perimeter. And though we've seen them be pretty crisp in passing, honestly, Nate George is a, a revelation in how he spreads the ball around. But um, just not having nearly the same uh, level to to get inside like we'd seen um, in the first half was a, a big part of turning, um, you know, a, a pretty sizable Georgia Tech lead. Um into a 19-0 run for Hawaii, which is not what you want. But in the end, um, we had what I've been taking to call the poor man's uh, Gator Bowl plus UNC win in the Gasparilla Bowl plus uh, Hawaii win. But, I mean, Hawaii's not a bad program. They're 8-2 and two coming into this game, uh, matched up pretty similarly in terms of— Yeah, their of... Ken Pop was only like 20, like 18 or 20 spots ahead of us. So it was quite like for a road game, like definitely, definitely was going to be a test, so— and, and I think this is kind of the variance coming out. Like we saw Tech kind of have lots of things line up not in their favor in like the UMass Lowell game, for example. Cincinnati was just a blowout, toss it out, baby with the bathwater type deal. But, you know, you got to win close games. You got to get yourself back into games. And, and again, with sports cliches, but Georgia Tech was super effective at, um, you know, keeping keeping themselves in the ball game. Uh, that said, still kind of high on fouls. Um uh, by Nongo fouled out with probably five seconds to go. Um, mm. Luckily, they missed the um, the and one. But on both of Hawaii's last drives, Tech uh, and I, I know Nongo was the last one. I cannot remember off the top of my head who the the one. Maybe it was Gapare, um right before him was. But you know, if you're up by a possession or you know two possessions, four points type deal, you cannot foul in in those situations. It is. Yeah. Just let him, like, if you're going to get blown by, all right, give him the two points, take the ball. Um, but we've also had issues on the inbound there. So, um, you know, I, I realize that that's not necessarily always universal universal advice, but letting them get to the line, um, n- not super not super great in, in, those, uh, in those cases. But, you know, the, uh, uh, again, a win, in, a win's a win. There, it, there's, a, there's a lot to like about what Tech's been doing. Um, Offensive rebounding, rebounding in general has been been super strong. Um, I think Tech's been spreading the ball out pretty um, pretty well. Quiet night for Depot on uh, off the bench against Hawaii, but he had a strong start um, against UMass. Miles Kelly had a kind of, I guess, more of a return to form type game. Better game, yeah. Night, Five to eleven, yes. Relatively quiet uh, against UMass. I'm trying to just you know hit the points in my head to see if there's anyone else that I remember I'm looking at the looking at the the uh, box score uh Dewuna didn't even play uh we only yeah. played eight guys this whole game sort of been Coleman and Claude were the only ones that come off the bench most of the start every starter played at least 29 minutes so played effectively three quarters of the game uh by sort of against UMass um I don't give that uh that fellow enough flowers he he did have a really strong performance against UMass yeah. so did want to note that as well so with that uh We've won two games in a row with 73 points. So we have a shot to go for a rare triumvirate. And just the weird, we score 73 in Hawaii in three out of four days. Doesn't mean anything, but hey, we'll go for it. Uh, so as of recording, they are eight and three right now. So we'll be nine and nine and three or nine or eight and four, probably by the time most of y'all hear this after they play Nevada, which is a 9 p.m. game on Christmas Eve. So I guess if you've got kids and you can do your, you do your five o'clock church or something like that, I don't know. You can still catch this game after the kids go down, if unless you have like Santa Claus stuff to do. I don't know how you'll do it. I, my family's going to be at church late that night, so I'm probably going to miss most of this game. 
Jack, what if there are children listening to this podcast? You just ruined the idea of Santa Claus for them. So congrats. <laughs> Uh, oh well, I that well, yeah, tough, tough, put a, tough. Put a sensor, uh, 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 parents, go back yeah. and don't listen to this. I don't know. Uh, uh, no. um, I, I do want to say tech is up to 108 in Ken Palm. Um, they were much lower. Oh, not very long ago. Uh, so that is is good to see. In terms of just a quick opponent preview on Nevada, I do think that's important. They are one of the best teams Tech uh, has faced yet, uh, will face yet. Duke is, uh, you know, of course, very far up there. Top 10, uh, top 10 energy. Nevada's sitting at 38. So not quite your Duke, but um, definitely a really strong team uh, out of a yeah pretty strong Mountain West. Um, honestly, they've got a, a lot of great programs out uh, out that way. So uh, probably the the, if not the best team, Tech has played since Duke. Uh, yeah, because that, that's more recent than Cincinnati. So, yeah, yep. best team Tech has played since Duke. So they'll need to come come to play if they want to win. Last note, uh, we had a big recruit get right before kickoff uh, against uh, was it UCF. We got Darian Sutton. He's a 6'10 wing forward. Uh, he's out of overtime elite. He had 51 offers come to him. Of note from Kansas, Florida State, and Michigan. Uh, Carl Hobbs apparently did most of the like work here to get this recruit. It's a big flip for us and a major, major get it from the uh, overtime elite top 100. So, uh, winning on a lot of different factors this, this past week. And the uh, oh, I forgot to even mention we had a really good uh, signing day too for Tech, where we got Aaron Philo playing, finally put pen to paper, and a bunch of other guys. Uh, we'll cover that on later episodes when we have more time. So, uh, I don't know if any of y'all have any notes on Darian or anything like that. I uh, just saw it on the Twitter and then the football game started. So I kind of lost track that that had happened. So, uh, but I think we'll catch up to that. Okay. Uh, last on the official sports notes, uh, that both the men's and women's tennis schedules have come out. So we come to Matt Maggie. You are here for one of the great traditions that we have here on this podcast, which is the ceremonial reading of the schedule. Uh, I've got the woman, uh, I've got the woman, Jake, I've got the woman's schedule pulled up. I don't know if you want to take one. Uh, how do you want to do this? Let's start with the women. Uh, cause I've got it pulled up too at the moment. Um, the thing that jumps off the, the page to me right away is you see some classic Georgia Tech season starting uh, Michigan Invitational. I, I, you know, in my head, it happens every year. Maybe they've switched it up, but, you know, they, they, they head up to Ann Arbor, if not every year, then close to it. And then you've got the ITA kickoff weekend. They go on the road um, for ITA kickoff weekend. Uh, they'll get Wisconsin in the first round and then Texas Tech or Virginia in the next round. Uh, for those that don't know, the ITA kickoff weekend is essentially like a preseason NIT uh, but for tennis, um, I don't even think the preseason NIT happens anymore. Um, I don't. I didn't uh, know this was a thing until this year after the season started. So I, I guess time flies. Um, but uh, anyway, so uh, essentially, it's a an in, it's the indoor college team national championship. Um, uh, whereas the NCAA is the outdoor. Uh, Tech does get UCF uh, an opening weekend. We did that last year. Don't know why we've started playing them in tennis multiple times uh, in a well last year was multiple times, but um, a bunch of times in the regular season. But uh, they match up pretty similarly, uh, fringy top top thirty, top twenty type team. So um, that should be a pretty good matchup. Um, Georgia Tech women uh, women's tennis schedule is pretty strong out of conference. Uh, South Carolina, another similar program. Northwestern, very good. Um, yeah. They get you know a couple usual suspects from around the area in the ACC slate. Um, but Jack, any comments, questions, concerns? I, I'm just, I'm, I'm glad we get a cool, just a team we never face in anything kind of opponent in Penn. 
who gets to yeah. come here and play. That's just fun to play Ivies and anything that aren't like those big like track and field or just where a bunch of other teams are already there in the first place. Like, no, we are playing Penn one-on-one in a sport. This is just a, a, a rare occurrence. So that's I think that's kind of cool. I feel um, like tennis is pretty good too. So that should be a decent match. All right, good to know. I, of note, this team travels a lot. They are going all over the place. Let's, let's just read off these cities again. They got to go to Michigan. They got to Ann Arbor. They got to go to Charlottesville. Got plenty of matches here. Go to Columbia. They go to Columbia. Uh, they got, if they make, I assume they'll be at National ITA indoors. So that means they're going to Seattle for a few days uh, in the middle. I'd be Virginia to do that. That's a little spooky. So. Good point. Okay. So it'd be tough. But if we get there, glad we got there. Um, and then you got your, and then Georgia's coming. The Lady Bulldogs are coming here. Uh, and then the guys will go to Georgia this year for that uh, matchup. And then your normal the ACC slate's not as bad. But we do have to go to Syracuse. Um, and all the way down to Coral Gables, uh, but we have our usual North Carolina pit stops and stuff like that. So, uh, and then the ACC championships, same as the guys as well, carry North Carolina. Uh, the guys, on the other hand, they also play an Ivy League team because they are playing Brown to start the year, uh, also at home. So if you're a guy like me who just likes to see unique matchups, you get two of them here. The girls play Penn and the guys will play Brown uh, to start the year. And then they've got Bamba, Presbyterian, Sanford and Wofford and Pepperdine and Santa, Santa Barbara. Jake, why are we playing so many weird teams? Um, yeah. So we kind of load up on a lot of, I think that the schedule difference between the men and the women is that the men kind of occupy a slightly different space, uh, in the national field. The women are a, you know, top 25 in a, in a down year to a top, you know, let's remember, 10. let's remember, and Baggy, just some trivia for you. Maybe if you I don't know if you know, but this our most recent national title is still women's tennis. Is... That's the only official one that yeah. we've ever won in the NCAA. But um, but yeah, no, the men um they do load up on a lot of teams that are mid-majory types that you know that text like, hey, we'll schedule any any comers. We want to get some uh notch some wins, get those under our belt. Um, it's also just good experience. Um, so kind of the scheduling philosophy is the women. Uh, are a little bit more, um, you know, they're they're drawing in a national Northwestern type deal. The men, um, they they do like to stack those dubs uh, and more power to them in that regard. Uh, in terms of the West Coast swing, I'm fairly certain that fills the slot of the ITA kickoff weekend uh, that the women are in Charlottesville for. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll head out to the men will head out to Pepperdine, uh, UCSB. At least on the women's side, uh, I recall Pepperdine has been. Very, very good. Um, very recently, um, we've, we faced them in ITA and other, you know, tournament settings pretty, uh, pretty regularly in the past. Uh, so they'll, they'll get two stops out there, uh, with, with Pepperdine and, uh, Santa Barbara, uh, UCSB, those schools are, are not very far away from each other. So pretty doable, uh, road trip there, uh, much less daunting than their next week, um, going over to Athens. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, the, I say that Athens was. I saw. I was here for the match last year when the Athens boys came, and uh, couldn't get a seat in the house. Thank. I wish it was an outdoor day because there was no seating to be had inside Ken Byer. So, uh, we play a lot of the local folks as well. We got Mercer on the schedule, Georgia State's on the schedule, the Citadels on the schedule, uh, and then our you standard ACC slate of everybody before they go to North Carolina for ACC championships. Uh, that'll be closer to the end of April. So. We've got if, if if you're one of those crazy folks that wants not crazy folks very sane people that wants to go see everything you possibly can in the spring on campus. There's plenty of days where you can do a softball game, a tennis match, and a baseball game all in the same day. Now that I've looked at it, I gotta do the actual how many what is the maximum number of things you could see on campus because spring sports at Tech is just loaded. I believe 
One of the reasons that we slot in the Citadel in the ACC season uh, is also because there's an odd or a, like a, a different number of men's versus women's teams. Ah, uh, uh, okay, gotcha. Does have a women's team, but does not have a men's team. Pittsburgh used to have a women's team as well, but they they cut that about three years, three four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, time is flying too fast in that regard. So <laughs> not only do we uh, do the men like to you know take all comers in terms of getting some wins and uh, piling those up, but uh, interesting ACC quirk of uh, I guess having one team but not the other. Honestly, kind of similar to some of the stuff we see softball versus baseball, but that's a that's yeah. a different. Yeah. So. <laughs> We'll hope Kennedy Thorne's team does does the trick. Uh, maybe Chris Eubank shows up for a match. Who knows? Maybe so. I, I just hope Andres Martin made it back from Tunisia. That's all I care about. Uh, that would be great. I hope he's not still there. For context, Maggie, the, the, our main dudes played a tournament out in Tunisia in the fall, and we just never found out if they came back. <laughs> and they like a game back in the States, or a match in the States after that, so... We're just, we're, just, we're just worried for their safety. Hopefully they're having fun in Tatooine or something like that. Um... Maggie, I do want to go to you for a final topic, which is construction corner, because you are on campus, living on campus, doing all the campus stuff in your final year at Tech, and there is uh, construction all over the freaking place right now between paint lines uh, going down on multiple streets, half the sidewalks seem to be under being redone right now, uh, half of Tech Parkways closed between Guggenheim and State Street for something, so uh, beyond just like, okay, they're doing stuff, is this actually impact just on a, from a student level, is this actually impacting you on a day-to-day of just like, oh dear, there's just things and noise and stuff everywhere, or is it just par for the course? Yeah, honestly, not too bad, but I also could be not the best person to ask because I'm a Scheller student, so we are that's a kind of like, we, we, you know, we are. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, you know, kind of off campus, if you would say, um, but I guess they are um, right across from Scheller are doing the new IE, the huge IE building. Yeah, it's starting to get underway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's a ton of construction in itself, but nothing like, you know, affecting my day to day. I will say, I think the whole Peter's parking deck thing that is kind of getting under a lot of people's skin um, for sure. But yeah, nothing I don't think that is like, you know, affecting anyone's travel from class day to day from what I've heard not too many complaints but I mean like we talked about before we started the episode construction is just always going to be a thing on college campuses you know so yeah yeah yeah. the um I heard they were dynamiting for the uh for the new IE building. That's why I, I would. There, are, yeah. If you drive by it, you the the uh, the hole in the ground was a lot further deeper than I thought it was going to be when I saw it. The uh the Coda, I remember the Coda foundations were huge because they also had to put that underground parking deck in there. So I imagine it looked something like that. But I thought it would be cool to be around if they were you know blowing stuff up. But maybe that's the uh, yeah. mechanical engineer. It's loud. <laughs> I'm, I'm told. I'm told it's at two thirty every day. Is that right? It's they. It's, it's like. Out weird it's at two it's been at 2 14 oh okay okay 2 14 yeah because like i have a class at two so we'll be sitting there lecturing and then like sheller starts shaking <laughs> i had i never had it i was taking classes next to coda when it was getting built in sheller but i don't think we ever had the the room is shaking level of stuff it was just some machine was just obnoxiously loud when we were just trying to have a normal day in there so to be the to be the like well, when I was in school, blah, 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 blah. Oh, blah. My God. <laughs> I feel like 
it's one thing, especially if you're a student that lives on campus or near campus, it's one thing if like a road's kind of funky, but you can still go another way. And it's another thing when it's like, oh, we just don't have a student center for a year and a half. You know what I mean? That's Like, different. That is a big, yeah, that, yeah, that is that, the difference. that sucked. Yeah. Chick-fil-A going away, that was, that seriously impinged my a twisted taco going away. Oh, it was devastating. Um, no library. Oh man. Kids don't know how they, I, I don't know how I lived through us not having a library. Um, that was, that was wild. Um, I did go into the notes, uh, into the documents to take a look at some of the construction documentation. Couldn't find the official like design plans for first drive. Um, but that will be a cycle track. It's actually, I, I got sent this email from the daily digest, I think, but, um, based on a senior design project from, I think, 2019, where basically they were like, you already have the space, you already have the bike lanes, just make it protected. So that way it's safer for, you know, drivers and pedestrians and bikes um, to just have protected lanes versus the the white paint stripe. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's cool. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. Everybody That'd bikes be fun. a lot of places. I, 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 can, I will assure you there is a difference. Um, even if some of it's psychological, it's definitely a, a good safety thing as well. And so, so many people on campus bike. So it's Yeah. great to see um, the Guggenheim to State Street. Um, they're doing some rework of just first drive um, and, and tech parkway through there in terms of how they relate to one another. It's going to involve first drive routing straight out down Mean Street to get to tech parkway in Marietta uh, rather than you kind of have to sit at the light and then take a right. If you want to like leave campus, Right. um, which is a good change, honestly. I think they should just rip out first drive the entire way along the the bottom by the student center and stuff because they're parallel to each other. But no one asked me, so you know that who cares? I'm just Yeah. some guy. <laughs> Yeah. I'm some alum. <laughs> You don't need my yeah. opinion. Some dudes talking Yeah. about stuff. So, all right. But Well, yeah. yeah, if you're on campus in the next, if you haven't been to campus in a while, there are certainly some new things that you'll be able to see when the time comes. As we noted at the top of the episode, we have our. Uh, comprehensive campus plan episode which talks into more of these kinds of things as well if you want to know everything everything Of which getting rid of that chunk of first drive is in the comprehensive campus plan. So, look at you that know, look at that there you go. There you go. interrelated Inter context Self promo. Uh, we do have a minute here. So I've got a really simple, straightforward question. let's go Um, I was thinking, um, how often is it that we're playing December games? And then I realized I'm done. We have a basketball team and a uh, men's and women's version of it at that. So we play a lot of December games. But uh, I have for you, um, Georgia Tech all time has played men's. And women's basketball games, football and volleyball games in December. Very simple question. What do you think our winning percentage is in the month of December as a school? Okay. So volleyball is usually playing postseason at this point. So, and historically, we're pretty good at that ish. Like, probably approaching 500. Football is playing one. We know football's over 500 because they have a, one of the higher winning percentages in bowl games. Um, Are they? in bowl games, at least, they're above 500 historically. Maybe not in December. Of December. Okay, okay, so, okay. Oh, so we're so good we can't even play in December. Dang it. Okay. Uh, Or and then they lose some of those suspicious bowls like they did a lot in the 2010 fair, game. fair, fair. And then for basketball, this is usually the cupcake games, though. Yeah. So, okay. Which is why it makes it an interesting dichotomy because Yes. you're playing non con in basketball, Yes. but also championship football and volleyball. Yes. And also the portion sizes, too. Basketball's going to have more games. Maggie, let you take the first crack at this now that I've, as I keep thinking through it. 
Yeah, I'm having similar thoughts to you. I'm going to go with like a, uh, I'm going to go with a random number, like a 56% win percentage. Okay, okay. I was thinking lower. I was thinking like 522 or something like that. But I feel like it maybe should be higher because it's a lot more a lot more basketball games and football and everything else. So I'm going to edit to like 575. I will say I was floored when I saw how high the women's basketball win percentage is, which okay. definitely brings it up. Um, True. They are they are a 734 uh, percentage in the month of December, 201 and 73. Uh, overall, tech is a 0.629, so about 63% win percentage there. Uh, volleyball is uh, about a, a 62% uh they're 61%, sorry. Uh, okay. They're 19 and 12 overall. That's basically all just NCAA tournament games. You right. know, win one maybe and then lose one kind of yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, men's basketball is a five uh, or a 59, just shy of 60%. In fact, um, with how this month has gone, they might be over it now. But um, football, uh, 28, 31, and one all time for a 47.5 win percentage. Interesting. All right, we'll have to extrapolate and see what the best month to watch tech sports is that because it might be December if it's all these easier to win basketball games relative to the other months. I'll get back to you. Okay, that sounds good. Um, before we wrap up, uh, Maggie, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, you're, please keep reading her stuff on the website. I assume you'd be hopefully you'll be writing something out if football season's over. Um, uh, I don't know what I what think we so. have. All yeah. right, sounds good. We'll be plenty. To, there'll be plenty to talk about and ruminate on. And of course, you're welcome back here anytime, uh, Jake. Appreciate it. Take us out. Yes, as always, uh, if you have any, uh, you know, content suggestions, any podcast content suggestions, interviews, since Jack is churning those out like a champ, uh, you can email us from the rumble seat at gmail.com. You can comment. Uh, we post articles with these uh, podcasts, but also all the other great content uh, from non-rev sports to football to men's and women's basketball to baseball and, and everything in between you know sometimes we even get some history stuff up if i get a moment uh that's from the rumble you can find us on twitter at ftrs blog i'm at jake grant 98 jack is at jack nicholas uh, you can find section 103 there as well at section 103 section 103.com remember uh code ftrs 10 percent off tell them we sent you uh facebook instagram and youtube you can find us at from the rumble seat and podcasts you can find wherever fine podcasts are sold tell your friends we really do appreciate the word of mouth and in the meantime good night good luck and go jackets <laughs> <laughs>